Welcome everyone to Breakthrough, a Dale Carnegie podcast where we equip Gen Z to take command of their future and we empower educators and parents of Gen Z to support the thriving and upcoming next generation. We have an awesome guest on the podcast today. Her name is Sarah Hewitt and she actually came to us from a connection of a recent guest. So we love whenever we get to network and connect with people and meet new people that have great ideas and are leaders in the space that can add more value on the podcast. And we're so excited to share her story, gain new insight, um, about equipping leaders around the nation. Um, Sarah is the vice president of the Independent Petroleum Association of America's Energy Education Foundation. Wow, that is a mouthful. She joined the IPAA in 2008 after serving as a director in the Texas public education area. And Sarah also serves as Dale Carnegie's um, foundation board as a vice president. So Sarah has over 20 years of experience in developing these programs. So she serves as a workforce development student for students. Um, in her current role, Sarah manages the development and network of a nationwide energy education program that helps bridge the gap between the energy industry and education. And that's a gap um, that needs to be bridged. She is doing the work in the space to do that and is a, on fire. So we're excited to have her on the podcast today. Um, Sarah, can you just share a little bit more about what you're doing currently with helping bridging that gap between industry and education? Yeah, sure. So there's a, a pretty significant gap between what students think they need to know going into really any type of business, not energy in itself, and what the businesses are actually going and looking for. So a lot of it comes down to, we've got a lot of smart kids out there. Uh, we've got a lot of driven kids. We've got a lot of naturally gifted students in the STEM areas. And you would think that would be enough to have a really successful career um, in such a technology force of energy, um, except at the end of the day, there's just a lot of skill sets that these students are still needing. Things like communication skills, negotiation skills, um, just learning to work in a team. I know that teamwork is something uh, you hear a lot. It's almost cliche. Of course, you know how to work in a team, but do you really know how to work in a team? Do these students really know how to do this? Um, it's a really interesting conversation to have with these students. Uh, at the end of the day, they'll tell you, I think I've got it. And they go in their first year of work and they come back and say, man, I didn't have it. You know, I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't know how to make the relationships within the corporation, I wish I would have known. And mm. so a lot of what we're doing is making sure those I wish I would have knowns are bridged. And also on the, on the corporation side, they're really getting a set of students that can come in, take ownership of their jobs, take ownership of what they're doing, and um, really contribute in ways that older generations haven't been able to contribute. Mm, taking ownership. I love that because that's that personal responsibility piece, yeah. what students need to be equipped with to be successful in the organizations that they step into. Yeah. Um, you mentioned networking, teamwork, 
collaboration, it's so easy to think, oh yeah, I'm a team player. You know, I can collaborate with anybody. Um, what, but what does that really look like? You know, yeah. um, it's easier said than done. And being able to disagree agreeably with someone, mm -hmm. or walk into a conversation and have an open mind, um, yeah. able to hear their side or perspective and not be so closed off to it. Right. Those are necessary skills that. Oh, yeah. So what, what's been a story that you've heard a student say um, whenever they mentioned, man, I wish I would have had these skills before? Uh, so a skill that doesn't come up often in businesses, but they realize or the students are really going to come up come up often is negotiation. So when it talks about having hard topics or having a hard conversation with someone, you're going to have a million different viewpoints. You're going to have some people who feel like there needs to be a change in whatever program or whatever you're working on in business. And then there's going to be the people who feel like, no, hold on, let's keep it where we are. We need to move super slow or what we've been doing is good enough. And ultimately, there's usually a happy medium between the two things. And what students are really needing to understand, and I have students come to me and say is, well, I really thought I knew how to work in a team. I really thought I knew how to communicate. But when it came down to it, I just had my own viewpoint. And um, a big part of that is learning how to be a listener. And um, it sounds really simple. Yes, I know how to listen. Yes, I know how to communicate. Yeah, I, I, I pause. I don't say anything when the person, other person is speaking. But what it really comes down to is, can you turn your brain off and really listen to what that person is saying before you've already developed this rhetoric of what you're going to say back? So listen to what the person is saying, comprehend what they're saying, and maybe, and we see this a lot, you know, repeat back what they said. We, we hear that a lot. But the, what happens in our minds in psychology is we hear someone speaking and then we have already formulated what we're going to say next. And so it's knowing how to pause, knowing how to listen. And when you hear something that you think, man, I totally disagree with, understand there's a reason you disagree with it. And so sit down, look at where you're disagreeing, look at where you've got the person who's moving forward at a million miles an hour, look at the person who's dug their heels in and figure out, well, what can we do to compromise and negotiate a happy medium? And most likely most answers to most hard problems sit in that middle ground. Hmm. As you were saying that, I was thinking, she's so right. I'm coming up with what I want to say next. And it's just so natural that, I mean, we're kind of wired. It's second nature to think that way. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're in the go-go place of our life and we're not yeah. listening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a real skill. Um, and something that I want to continuously get better at is listening without having um, all these formed opinions. Mm -hmm in my head, but being curious. Um, I think if we got more curious about asking questions and sure. instead of maybe just sharing what we think and our opinions, then we could get to know people at a deeper level. We could <laughs> form greater connections um, and just build deeper, authentic relationships whenever we get curious. Absolutely. And ask Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What would you say to um, high school or college students that want to um, learn more about 
the energy industry that want to um, maybe job shadow, maybe want to do, you know, some informal interviews just by asking questions? What would be some really good questions for them to ask? Yeah, I think, um, well, the first part of your question, I'd say it's not even specific to energy. I mean, we, I love yeah. the energy industry and it's got a vast amount of careers. I'm here in Houston. We, it's in a lot of the students' own backyard. Um, but the idea is we see a trend with teenagers, um, high school through college, and they're interested in energy or they're interested in jobs to which they've been exposed to. So it's mm. gonna be, who was your neighbor? Who was, um, what did your uncle do for a living? What did your parents do for a living? And we find that students will mimic what they're around and what they've been exposed to. So although sometimes that's great, some students have not been exposed to the vast amount of careers that are really out there and available for them. So what I tell students a lot is ask questions, ask questions, ask, you know, you meet somebody at some kind of event, you meet somebody at a school event, what did you used to do? And have someone really describe what their job looks like. Don't ask what they do for a living. What does it look like? What does your daily life look like? Are you part of the hustle culture where you're having to work from 5 a.m. till 10 p.m.? And unless you do that, you're, you're, it's not going to be successful. Ask the questions that you want to know so that you can start to come up with some kind of framework uh, so that you can decide what you want to do for a living. And a lot of times, a lot of kids think they want to be passionate about what they want to do. And here's what I say to that. Sure, pick a job that you're going to be passionate about. If that's your goal, if your goal is you want to have an easygoing life, you want to have a a mm -hmm. flexible work schedule, that might be a different kind of job that you maybe are not full throttle in, passionate about, but it provides the lifestyle that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you wanna be the CEO, you wanna be the business owner, you wanna be an executive. Well, you may have to hustle and that may be a little bit of a longer hours. There's no wrong or right answer to either way. Um, mm -hmm. But deciding on the framework of what you want your life to really look like and then from there, going out to your teachers, to your parents, coworkers, to um, going to career fairs, getting online and really exploring um, different careers. There's lots of surveys you can take now that talks about personality traits and what do you fit into. And interestingly enough, they're not cliche. You really are going to be prone to being good at some things and not good at other things. And that's the way we're built. And so the idea is to maybe kind of do enough exploration so that you start heading in the right direction for mm. your life as an adult. Mm. That is so good. Having that framework um, and really envisioning what do you want your life to look like? That takes a lot of self-awareness. It does take a lot of self-awareness, yeah. <laughs> and and self-discovery. So that's a good challenge. For sure. Um, if you think about a breakthrough of your own, maybe that you walked through as a college student or early in your career, you know, what was kind of a breakthrough moment for you that you look back on um, and can really say like, man, that was a pivotal moment? Yeah, I have actually a pretty good one. So um, I went to college and I ended up with a degree in educational psychology and really not focused at that point in my life on what is my day going to look like? What is my life going to look like? 
And so I graduate and I do the, the new graduate thing, you know, apply to jobs and you think, oh, this is great. I know what I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do. Start my first job. I'm in the public school system. And I think, no, wow, this is not at all what I thought I wanted to do. And I really ended up in a fortunate position to where my bosses got to know me well enough to know, hey, this is not going to be Sarah's jam, but we know what's going to be Sarah's jam. She's good at X, Y, and Z. So where I excelled was negotiation with meetings. I excelled in mediating of meetings. I excelled in relationship building. And that's where my two supervisors said, Sarah, this is great. This is what you're really good at. So we're going to put you in a position that you do that daily. Mm. And that's what you do for us. And I did. And 20 years later, it's still what I'm doing. And I'm not doing what I thought I was going to do right out of college. And it's because I didn't have that self-awareness. I just heard of a job and I thought that sounds cool. And I'm 19 or I'm 18 and I'm thinking, hey, great, let's go do that. And it really took some pretty good mentors to step forward and say, hey, Sarah, come on, this is where I think you need to go. And so I encourage kids to, when you find that adult that you can really talk to about who you are and what you want to do, spend hours doing that. Spend the time doing that. Go to this teacher's lunch uh, classroom during your lunch break and say, hey, I've been thinking about this. I'm really into X, Y, and Z. Talk to people about and get about yourself and get their feedback on you. A lot of times people who support you really have a good look at who you are. Mm, getting those cheerleaders around you. You do. You have to have a sense of community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and listen to them whenever they highlight things that are really standouts in their mind about you, you know, really soak that in and don't just kind of bypass it but really listen to what they're saying and consider it whenever you're looking at where you want your life to go. Um, You know, that community piece is so important. And with the rates of depression and anxiety that are now Gen Z, building community and that sense of belonging is so important now, Um, maybe more than ever, honestly. Oh, yeah. getting involved in high school and college. I know that you and I in our previous conversation talked about getting involved in two things. Oh Um, yeah. Can you speak a little bit more on that? Because I really liked your perspective there. So after 20 years and also raising my own teenagers. uh, So a trend I have seen is students who will get involved in their schools and their organizations, uh, whether that be high school and college, equally as important. Um, They tend to excel at a much higher rate than students who just go to school for academics. Hmm. So what I see, and this is a, it's a pretty significant difference. When students get involved in their schools, I mean, that can be anywhere between a sport, a UIL academic competition, art club, FFA, you name it, schools. I've walked into cafeterias and there's 50 clubs sitting in a cafeteria wanting students to participate. And there's a reason that it Mm -hmm. looks like that. There's a reason there's that many clubs in colleges and in universities and in high schools. The idea is to provide the students a support system. 
when things are going great, you've got your cheerleaders. When things are going hard, you've got your support system. It also keeps your mind busy. It keeps you growing a network. It keeps you, you get to know more people that way. And if one, I say two, and there's a reason I say two, is that when one is inactive or one seasonal or one isn't doing as many things, you've got another one to fall back on. Um, yeah. The students who either go to school, come home, do nothing, or go to school and they're hyper-focused into academics but do nothing else, it seems to be the same outcome. The idea mm -hmm. is you need to get involved. And then as an adult, it ends up being the same way. You're gonna be involved in things outside of your own career. And that's a lot of places people find a lot of joy. And we do talk a lot right now about work-life balance. So it's almost the very tipping point of work-life balance when students get involved in these activities in their high school level and in their college level. It's just that integration and what does it look like Yes, I go to work, but at the end of the day, I have other things I enjoy. I have never thought about it that way, but it, it being kind of a practice for whenever you're out in the real world and you have a nine to five, probably, and, and you want to incorporate some work-life balance, um, practicing whenever you're a high school or college student and doing that so it's not so um, different whenever you get out into the workplace. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. Um, and you're so right. Having two, because if one has, you know, it's an off season or it's dry for a little bit, you have another one to keep you going. Um, such good perspective on that. What would you say to adults of or parents of Gen Z or educators that are working with Gen Z? What's kind of one or two pieces of advice for them? Yeah. So, um, so the great thing with Gen Z is that they've learned how to not enter the hustle culture. They've really um, focused on having a work-life balance. But with that comes learning how to, um, how to, how do I describe it? Um, effectively communicate your boundaries, but that doesn't mean in a harsh way. So meaning to know you have your hard lines. Hey, I'm not going to be answering emails this um, weekend. That's not when I'm working. But there's a, there's a sideline to that. If you are that employee or that student that is willing to just give that little bit extra, hey, you're not supposed to be answering 50 emails on the weekend. But I did answer one or two because it was important and something needed to get run through the system. You will find that you'll excel past your peers at a much higher rate. We are, we're in this culture where it's, you know, I know my emotions, I know my feelings, that's my boundary. I don't accept anything beyond that. But there's a flexibility to it. And, um, and I think Gen Z is gonna figure that out faster than most of these other generations have. I mean, I'm in the generation X where it was hustle culture. I mean, have your job, have another job. Hey, take on a third job and make sure you're the boss. And um, that didn't work well for us. And so the idea now is sure, have your flexibility, but um, learn how to put in that little extra where you need to so that you can move past the people who just are absolutely not willing to go past their hard lines. If there's a mix to it, there's a real happy medium to it. Another thing that Gen Z is working um, kind of had to struggle through is they're a generation that grew up with social media. 
So social media is wonderful in some senses and so harmful in some other senses, but they grew up in a generation of perfectionism. So they grew up where what people see of them is perfect. And a lot of that creates stress for anybody, really. I mean, whatever generation, but particular young students, um, that's a very stressful situation to be in, to feel like I'm in this perfectionist type um, environment. And so something I talk to students a lot about is emotional regulation. And it's really talking about how you can have all the emotions you want. You can be stressed, you can be anxious, you can be depressed, you can be happy, you can be mad, sad, whatever you want. And you get to have all those emotions anytime you want. But how you act on those emotions are as equally important. So harnessing what you're feeling, but knowing how you're going to act on those emotions. So just because you're feeling it doesn't mean you get to express it in a harmful way around you. And a lot of this comes, comes in a place of students wanting to storm out of rooms because they're over, it's usually an overwhelmed situation. I want to storm out of the room. I want you to understand how I feel. I'm going to show you that I'm unhappy, but they have got to learn how to sit down and effectively communicate how they're feeling because no one's negating their feelings. It's just how they're acting on their feelings. And that's something educators can work with students on. And also parents can work with students on. Mm. How, how do you think that students can start regulating their emotions today? Like how, what yeah. would you say? Take a walk. Take a yeah. walk. I will go. say this, go for a walk. Nine times out of 10, 30 minutes later, you've cooled down enough to be making a more logical choice on what you want to do with that emotion. Um, there's all kinds of ways to calm yourself down and there's all kinds of ways to methodically go through emotions, but time and time and time again, take a pause before you say what you're gonna say. Take a pause before you're gonna react the way you're gonna react. Take a little walk and, or maybe don't do anything to the next class period, or maybe take it two more days later. Take yourself a pause, think about what you're gonna do with those emotions and then go forward. And, and it doesn't mean don't be upset. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means take a pause. Everyone's entitled to their emotions, but think about how you're going to act on those emotions. Mm. If we do that, it's a very selfless way of acting too, because then we're not negatively impacting the people around us as much. Right. So, right. It's a super selfless act to say, hey, I need to go um, take a 15 minute walk. You know, I'm going to really process this on my mm -hmm. own and then communicate with you um, externally how I'm feeling, but in a very rational way so that I am not acting without communicating in a way that negatively impacts you. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's so good. I, I love that topic of emotional regulation. Thanks for highlighting that. And, and thank you for just all the good nuggets of wisdom that you brought to the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, if people want to connect with you, how should they find you on social media? Oh, I'm on LinkedIn. You'll find me if you just look up Sarah Hewitt. I'm in LinkedIn and uh, with IPAA and I'll pop right up and they can message. 
Okay, perfect. And thank you so much again, Sarah, for coming on this episode. Um, for anyone that wants to subscribe to the podcast, click the subscribe button so that you'll be notified whenever we have future guests on and follow us on Instagram um, at Greater East NC for more highlights. We have a young adults program called Step Into Your Future for college students and Generation Next for high school students. So if you're a Gen Z listener um, wanting to take the next step in learning these awesome emotional regulation skills and other interpersonal skills that will help you be successful in your future, give us a shout and we'll make sure to connect with you there. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Bye.